Hello and welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz's Digital Marketing Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome today Stefan Badega from Traction. Good morning, Stefan. How are you doing? Hey, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. Great to have you on the podcast. We were doing a little bit of football chat before we started. By the time this podcast goes out, we will know if how England have been doing. But I guess you're pretty ex- excited about the game. I am, although it's a kind of ner- nervous trepidation more than anything else being, being an England supporter because we, were, we, we usually end up disappointed. So hopefully we'll be different this time. Brace yourself for disappointment, and then when England win, you'll be uh, you'll be even happier, right? Exactly, exactly. The element of surprise. <laughs> Fantastic, Steph. It's really great to have you on. Um, please tell us a bit about your background and also about your your company traction. Yeah, so so, so my background is uh, fifteen plus years in digital marketing. So I, I got into digital marketing very early. My my first ever job was in TV, and then I kind of made made a jump from. Uh, TV offline broadcast into digital marketing because I thought that was really where the future was. Um, and then I spent the majority of, of my career so far um, building teams and building digital marketing teams, mainly inside agencies. So um, I've worked at a number of different agencies, taking teams from very small sometimes. So uh, at, uh, when I was at WPP, um, building a team inside Mediacom uh, from a handful of people up to 300 in sort of three or four years to service their um, their clients' digital marketing needs. Um, and then the most recent uh, role prior to setting up Traction, I was CEO of uh, Dentsu's performance marketing operation, iProspect. Um, and that's a, a, a large business. So when I joined uh, 600 or so people in the UK team, uh, when I left, I think we had 722 people. Um, and so, so, so my career uh, up until pre-traction was building out teams to help uh, agencies grow and to service clients uh, digital marketing needs across every discipline that you, you, you can imagine inside the performance marketing um, suite of disciplines. So paid search, paid social, SEO, CRM, data analytics and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where my career um, kind of took me to up, up, up to February 2020. And in February 2020, I decided that um, I could see a really, really big gap in the market for a new type of marketing model that enabled businesses of all sizes to access great marketing talent, but to access that talent um, with a fully flexible model. And that's really what Traction is. So we're a platform that enables businesses to access the best talent in the marketing space across every discipline that you would need. And to access that talent, with a flexible model, so by the hour, by the day, by the week, by the month. Um, We have about 500 people on the platform as of today. They have all gone through our verification process. So what sits at the core of what we do is uh, uh, quite an astute verification process that ensures we have the best talent on the platform. So we do a 132-point checklist. We then do an hour-long evaluation. 
every, every person coming onto the platform. We do reference checks and then we do continuous performance monitoring as well. Um, so we have a very high bar for talent on the platform. We reject about 95% of people that apply. Um, so yes. Can you, can you recap that again? You have a really rigorous process. You've got a lot of checkpoints there. So you, you're, you only let through what percentage of candidates? 5%, 5% people um, get through uh, the, whole, the whole way. Um, and essentially each step, so each of the kind of the three primary steps in our um, verification kind of knocks out a group of people effectively. Um, and then, but then, and I, I guess that's really important, right, to people that are to the, you know, managers and companies that are looking to bring on the right consultants, because there are a lot of platforms out there. You know, I mean, there are so many um, platforms where you can find candidates. But I guess your experience is, is that the... The, the quality was poor or the, yeah you know, i mean the, part, part of the reason to set up traction was because I, I i myself had had some very very bad experiences dealing you know trying to hire people off platforms like you know fiverr upwork the, the, the these kind of platforms and I mean, this is not to say there aren't some good people on those platforms but the problem is there's no verification so what happens is anyone can you know get themselves on the platform and then they hope that the star rating system kind of weeds out people but it doesn't really work so what tends to happen is if you hire through any of those platforms you'll find that for every one good experience you have five really poor experiences so the you know our approach is entirely different we don't let everyone onto the platform we only let five percent of the people on the platform and that maintains the high bar you know for for the cognitive talent okay so that that sounds very interesting stefan so what sort of people do you have on on the platform for companies to select because i spoke to sarah webster in a, in a previous podcast she's she's on traction she classes herself as a fractional cmo and i love that term fractional so who do you have on the platform for people to to select yeah so out, out of the 500 people um we cover all, all, all the kind of usual disciplines that you would expect if you were trying to set up and run or manage a, a performance marketing or digital marketing campaign. So we have a lot of um, paid social people, so experts in Meta, TikTok ads, um, Snap, uh, lots of Google ads people, CRM people, specialists in HubSpot, um, Salesforce. Um, we have search engine optimization people. And um, so we have a large layer of you know, what I would call implementation experts. So those kind of people that are logging into the systems, they're running the campaigns, they're optimizing, reporting. And um, we have a large kind of cohort of, of, of people in that space. We also have some very good senior marketers. So marketing director level, VP marketing. We, we have uh, an ex-CMO of Sky. We have an ex-CMO of Emirates. We have an ex-CMO of... Um, a number of well, well-known household brands, NatWest. Um, and so we're kind of combining very good, high-quality, senior-level talent who have kind of been there, done that, with some very sharp implementation expertise uh, with hands-on dials. So what that means is that, with, you know, with our model, we can assemble a team really quickly because they're all available on the platform. Um, and we can construct teams uh, quickly across all of those different disciplines. And then if clients need access to somebody to help them manage that team, 
whether that's a fractional CMO or full-time CMO, you know, we can, we can also provide that as well. Great. And I guess it's now the time of year that people are going to be making their plans as well into 2023. And it's a, it's an interesting time. Um, you know, we may potentially be in a recession right now. People say there's a long recession coming. There's lots of stuff going on, um, but people are indeed making plans. So what do you think will be, let's say, the... The, the the roles to be looking out for for 2023 yeah so i think i think there's some really interesting you know some really interesting kind of changes going on and the the, the, the space that we're in martin's kind of over the last year or two years has changed so quickly in terms of what works and what doesn't work um, and i think that has some really big implications for clients thinking about their their, their plans for next year you know, if I look back, you take a moment to look back to Q4 2021. So this time last year, um, you know, if you're an e-commerce brand or you know, any, any other type of brand, to be honest, you know, the two big platforms that you were looking at were Facebook ads, Google ads, right? So if you're an e-commerce brand, all of your top of funnel, middle of funnel, uh, and, 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 and a portion of your kind of lower funnel retargeting would, would run on uh, Facebook ads. You know, return on investment was you put one pound in, you normally get four out. But that's kind of changed uh, really quickly. Um, partly that has been because of tracking changes with Apple introducing, you know, more, more, more kind of privacy um, restrictions, I guess, that have made it harder for brands to, to to get Facebook to work as well as it was um, at an individual targeting kind of level, um, and so the performance of some of these channels, like you know Facebook and the Meta Meta, meta channels, um, has, has 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 really struggled this year, and as a result, it's hit advertising spend, and as a result of that, it's hit their share price, which is down massively since the beginning of the year, um, and so I think a lot of what a lot of brands are doing is reappraising for 2023, reappraising based on performance, the channels that they're going to be allocating budget to. And that's having a knock-on impact on the type of talent um, that they're going to need to execute that as well. I mean, the most obvious one, I would say, is that it has happened uh, at, at precisely the time that Facebook was kind of starts to struggle with performance thanks to the Apple tracking changes. Um, we also had the, the rise in growth in terms of users anyway um, at TikTok. Um, so I think a lot of brands, when they're looking at their kind of paid social mix for a start, are looking at um, shifting budget between uh, Meta and TikTok. And in some cases, combining those two channels together. So they might use um, uh, TikTok the top funnel activity because it's got relatively low um, cheap CPMs relative to Meta at the moment, and then retargeting with Meta. So we're seeing we're seeing some interesting new combinations of channels. So that pay social is just one, but um, it's happening. It's happening everywhere. I think the the other thing that um, a lot of brands are doubling down on at the moment, and this becomes particularly important as you move into. Uh, a recession is they're doubling down on their existing customer base. So it's much easier to, uh, during a recession anyway, 
what brands tend to do is focus on their existing customers, making sure that they're happy and generating incremental revenue from existing customers rather than trying to acquire necessarily new customers. It's not to say they don't try and acquire new customers, but the focus of the investment and the spend and the effort moves towards the existing customer base. And so what we're starting to see is people doubling down on CRM as a result. So getting smarter with their own customer data and turning that into revenue, uh, we, you know, I think will become much more important for next year. Um, so, so we see shifting focus between the different paid social channels. We see an increase in focus on your own customer data that leads to more CRM briefs. And then the, the other thing that I think is, you know, traditionally a very important um, discipline for brands to focus on in Q1 of any year, not just the recession, but it becomes increasingly important during a recession, is SEO. So we see, uh, I, I'm convinced that Q1 next year, we will see a massive spike in SEO because what happens is brands come back after Q4 when they've spent the money on the media. Um, and if that media hasn't worked as well as it did the previous um, Q4, so 2021 Q4, um, they then look at the um, organic traffic and improving that to offset the performance decline on the paid channels. So what that means is you end up seeing brands spending more money and more investment on the SEO um, in Q1. And I think there's lots of changes going on at the moment with Google and the algorithm helpful content updates that, that, that make that really important to brands. So, so I think, you know, I kind of three things I think are important shifting budgets between paid social and how you integrate TikTok with Meta and the other paid social channels and increasing yeah. focus on your um, custom data with CRM and then the final piece is the uh, SEO definitely in, in, in Q1. Hey, we hope you are enjoying this podcast. If there is subjects you would like discussed or questions answered, drop us a line at info at Future Fuzz, your guide to digital marketing. I think you're absolutely right, Stephen. There's been a massive shift. I mean, COVID and all the lockdowns brought this e-commerce boom that was absolutely incredible. And um, also, I would say a boom to TikTok. It's the fastest growing social media platform um, to date in, in terms of the amount of user numbers in, in a very short space of time. If you look, if you ever look, check out those graphs, they're really interesting to see. Um, and then you're right, Apple came in with a, a plethora of changes, which really hit um, Meta. And we can see that social media advertising has become more expensive. Data has become more important, but not necessarily, um, you know, traditional, let's say, retargeting data and cookie-based data. People are indeed looking at their, their own databases of the client bases that they have and see how that they can enrich that data and they can work with it and they can make it more valuable. Um, I think there's some really good points there, and, and it is very. It can be very expensive to acquire a new customer if you put um, measures in place to retain customers and and um, and and please them. That is definitely more and more uh, more and more efficient. Um, what What are your predictions then for for the the, the year as a whole? Um, there's so much. There's so many opinions flying around. Like the, I saw a post today on LinkedIn about the job market. If people are optimistic about the job market, or they're pessimistic about the job market, if they think some countries are going to slide into a, a long recession, do you have any any take on that? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that when, when when you hit economic turbulence, 
the really important thing is as a business, and it, this, this, this isn't exclusive to any one vertical, I think this is universal, but when you hit economic turbulence, what you want to do as a business is be agile with your, with your talent. You still need stuff doing. You don't stop marketing. The brands that keep marketing, in fact, come out of those recessions far stronger than the ones that don't. Most, most businesses that we talk to understand that. So they understand that they need to keep marketing, albeit sometimes at a lower level, but they understand that they need to do that. And to do that, they need people. What changes is how, how you, you, your, the flexibility that you demand in terms of your, you know, the talent that you're going to hire. So what that means is that, you know, you may not hire a permanent person for a role. You may hire a freelancer or a consultant um, so that you don't have that person on the P&L. That gives you the flexibility. You can do rolling contracts. Um, you know, if the market deteriorates quickly, then, you know, you're not wedded to a three month notice period. Um, so I think, you know, what, what, what we see and, and we do, you know, we're handling freelance, we're doing contracts and we're doing permanent hires as well now. And, you know, what I anticipate is that we'll see increased demand on freelance and contract. And I think depending on how long the recession goes on for, you know, that will undoubtedly hit the permanent hiring side. Um, but I think uh, all businesses will demand more agility, more flexibility. They don't want to add costs onto the P&L. That is long-term costs. So I think that will be the, you know, the key, the key thing for 2023 is agility when it comes to hiring and being flexible. And have you got any advice to those on the other side? So the freelancers and the contractors who are getting themselves out there, do you have any uh, tips and advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think, I think you, have to be, you have to be marketing yourself, whether you are a freelancer uh, or a contractor or even an individual in permanent, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a permanent role, you have to treat yourself as a brand. And what that means is that you have to be visible and you have to be thinking about, you know, where your next project, where your next role is going to come from and building your brand so that you have, you know, the, the, the highest potential chance of securing that project or role. And I don't think people pay enough attention to that, actually. I think if you're you know, building a career or a business, whether it's contract or freelance or permanent, that actually... In, in particularly in these kind of markets, you have to be out there. And um, so you have to be building your brand. I also think, you know, increasingly for freelancers, platforms like Traction, and we're not the only one and we won't be the only one, and there'll be more, 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 more uh, entering the Yes. You know, having, if you're a freelancer, being on those platforms is important because you will, uh, you will find new projects and you'll be uh, provided with new opportunities that you wouldn't have. And it's just part of your, how you market yourself now. You know, there's organic, you know, marketing yourself on platforms like LinkedIn, but there's also marketing yourself on platforms like Traction, making sure that your profile is optimized so that when a client or a potential prospect sees it, um, you get the best impression. So I think that's kind of really, really important. And that, and then, and then the other thing, that's just kind of more of a you know, marketing the individual thing. But then I also think, given all the changes 
that, that, that are going on in the marketing space in terms of the different types of channels uh, and the evolution, even if you just take pay social, for example. I think diversification is really important, uh, particularly for the in, for individuals. And always thinking, and I, what I don't mean is I don't mean if you're a, a paid social expert suddenly starting to do Google ads, because actually, you know, it's really hard to have as much knowledge about a discipline like paid social as, uh, as paid search. You know, these, these are really complex disciplines to do well anyway. Um, but what I do think is that if you operate in a, you know, in a channel and your specialism is paid social, if you are over-reliant on one um, platform, let's say Meta, and you're not paying attention to where the users are moving to, let's say TikTok, then, then you are at risk because you may find yourself, if you don't understand um, these, these, these different platforms and you haven't diversified yet, you may find yourself uh, on a sort of declining trajectory when it comes to the volume of projects and work because advertisers tend to go to, to the platforms where the users are migrating. So I think you know, your own personal branding is really important, making sure you are out there um, on the organic, you know, organic channels and then I also think diversification in terms of the skill set is really important to protect yourself um, uh, as, as, as the user base kind of moves between different channels. It reminds me of an old phrase I heard which is a specialist is someone that knows more and more about less and less. Um, so there's a balance isn't there? You can have a specialization, you can be an expert in something but I think that's really really good advice. You've got to have also take a step back and have a broader view about how all of these platforms interlink with one another. And um, a term I also really like was uh, when consulting for an agency called Hey Honey, um, using uh, the term cross-pollination. So yeah. if, you're, if you're running campaigns on one uh, platform, let's say you're running on Snapchat, you should always be aware of how you could cross-pollinate your campaign to run on YouTube or TikTok or, or what have you. And the same with producing content because you might write content that is very, very SEO friendly, but it doesn't necessarily read so well and is so inspiring on a platform like LinkedIn where you can also publish articles. Yeah. So I think that's I mean, really, really good advice. Yeah, the way to think about the that skill set thing and how as a freelancer or a consultant, you evolve your skills to make yourself more attractive in the market. The way to think about that is almost like a, a kind of, like, like you would with budget allocation. So in performance marketing, you, you, you would always be having like 10 to 20% of your budget be allocated to testing new things, okay? And then, you know, as you test those, you get, um, you find that some of those work and you introduce those channels or tactics or strategies into the, into the main budget and try and scale it up. And the same sort of principle applies to your own personal development. So if you are, you know, you should be, again, you spend 80% of your time on the stuff that currently makes you money and generates your, um, you know, your, your 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 living and your work and your clients, but then there should always be ten to twenty percent of your time invested in what the next thing is, and that way you're never overexposed. You've always got the next thing that you can offer your clients, and if suddenly the eighty percent uh, revenue starts to decline for whatever reason, that might be, you know. Uh, users moving to a different platform or clients just demanding a different set of skills, then you're not you're not overexposed. Um, and I think yeah, so applying that methodology that most of most marketers now apply to the budget allocation, you can apply it to yourself in terms of investment. Great, thanks, Stefan.
Just one last question for you. So I sometimes ask this, especially to entrepreneurs and uh, people that manage big teams. So if you could, let's say, let's look back 10 years and you, you've done a lot of things 10 years, CEO at iProspect and you've grown teams at um, big agency groups. If you could go back 10, maybe 15 years and you could give yourself a little nugget of advice with what you know now, what would that be? I think the best, the best piece of advice that I would give myself would be is don't drink too much in the world of media or don't go to too many dinners. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm only pulling your leg. Slightly more, slightly more tedious than that. No, I think, I think the, um, it, I would make sure that 80, 80, 90% of the people that I've hired have been amazing. And it's the part of what I've done that I've always really enjoyed. And it's why, set up traction because I've enjoyed hiring great people and working with great people and finding great talent. There are always the mistakes though when it comes to hiring and talent. And and so everybody makes mistakes. And I think 10 years ago, 12 years ago, there were a few people that I hired that weren't right. And actually we didn't move them out of the business quick enough. And so the, re the, the, the big learning from that uh, is that when you make a mistake, when it comes to time, you need to fix it really quickly. Otherwise it can become toxic, um, you right. know, toxic for the culture, toxic, toxic for the team. And also, you know, undoubtedly it, it impacts very quickly the performance of the business overall as well. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to bet I'm going to, um actually say that is that's brilliant because i've been there as well you know i've had uh, i've had an, a situation whereby looking back it would have been far better to act quickly and um yeah because it, it can it just it, it's a it's a big time suck isn't it it takes a lot of time a lot of energy it can change the work environment yeah. i think uh i think a lot of people have been in that situation in fact if someone told me that they built a team or they'd hired someone and it had all been 100 percent brilliant i would never Never believe them, right? It's not possible. No, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. I think in my career, I've, I've, I've now personally hired over a thousand people. So that's a, a thousand people minimum uh, in the course of my career. And um, and I would say there's always going to be you know, three, no matter how rigorous the interview process and the vetting process, there's always going to be you know one, one to three percent of those are not not going to work out. And it's just you just you, you know it, you know it straight away. And then what happens is you can you know, try and leave it and try and fix it. You might do some sort of performance management, but the answer to it invariably is if it isn't working, just remove that person from the business, not only for the business and the people around you, but also for them, because yeah. if, if it's not working, they're almost certainly not enjoying it either. Yeah. It takes two to tango. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. On that note, Stefan, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It flew by. That's a sign of a good one when it just flies by. We're, we're over half an hour already. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find Traction? Uh, and thank you as well for having me on. Um, you, can, you can find us on uh, www.traction.ai, T-R-A-K-T-I-O-N.ai. And make sure you follow Stefan on LinkedIn as well because you do make some brilliant comments on posts. I really enjoy them. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, 
please don't forget to subscribe. Future Fuzz is sponsored by Shopala. Shoppable ads and express checkouts for e-commerce. Future Fuzz, your guide to digital marketing.